start us off whenever you're ready, I will then. do. I will, don't you worry about it. I'll start right now. I've started. It's started. You, you, you started, Jim. Have you have you gone and done a start? I've, I've done. I've done a start of the podcast. That's happening now. That's it's. That, this is happening in real time. It's very exciting for the listener. Uh, this is how podcasts start. You can just <laughs> hit record and talk, and then put it on the internet like it was real radio, like with Steve Wright in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, as we all know, Steve Wright literally just rolled up into the radio. Which which BBC radio station was he on? He might not have even been BBC. Whichever he was radio BBC station two. was he? BBC I used, Two. I used okay. To to radio oh yeah, two Steve all Wright the in the afternoon. Yeah. Okay, so he just rocked up at the BBC Two radio office like five minutes before his shift. It's like yeah, it's fine. Whatevs. We're just gonna talk, right? That's how we did that's radio. That's how radio happens, and that's how the BBC was invented. And now the listeners have learned something. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podposition. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Sterling. I am joined, as always, by the effervescent Laura. Hello, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I, did, I fizz up and froth up in water because I'm effervescent. How are you doing, Jim? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I've um, uh, got a new set of pills because the, the epidural for my back didn't work. So if you're wondering why I'm a little bit spicy with where how i'm talking today that'll be why because i they gave you some funny drugs i had to do some things to make all the pain go away um so that's that's where i'm at but i'm actually not too bad i'm in high spirits and feeling pretty positive positive outlook forward planning Mr. These are all all good positive words, what you are saying. They're they're pretty good. And we don't have Gavin this week. Uh, Gavin has gone away. (laughs) We, we, We fed him to Ubisoft to appease the fact that we keep making fun of them we were like okay we will we will give you an offering much like the young woman dropped in the volcano in all of those films in the 80s <laughs> we will give you gavin and you will not hate us for making fun of you so that that's where he is ubisoft have him now yeah he's he's in ubisoft volcano and we're very sad but he'll probably be back next week but we got we got a special guest special guest coming in and i'm very excited because it's steve burns Hello, how's it going? Yes, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, Wait, above. It's all right. You're that guy off Blue's Clues called Steve Burns, right? Uh, yeah, the thing about being the, the lesser Steve Burns is uh, it's good because it kind of hides a lot of my uh, online profile. So, you know, if I've been an idiot, you know, or said something, and people, they Google search uh, Steve Burns, they're like, oh, oh I thought Blame he was it all dead. on that guy. Yeah. 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 And if any of that stuff does bubble to the top, then you just misdirect them. You say, no, nah, no, nah, that wasn't me. It was that one that was on, on Blue's Clues. <laughs> blame, blame the fucking cartoon dog. Ain't nothing to do with me. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, there are two other, well, there are three other Jim Sterlings. One was a character on some show called Leverage, which I, I've never watched. There's a, a television writer and director who has jimsterling.com and his website's shit. And there is a porn star called Jim Sterling, uh, I believe, in the category of gay pornography known as bears. And that's definitely not me. 
Um, well, there's there's another Laura Dale out there somewhere, and I discovered this because I was watching a random movie on Netflix called Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Oh, brilliant! And Laura Dale turned up in the the opening credits of this 2015 movie about a bunch of animals in a river that eat people. <laughs> I thought that was just something that was in the planning phase. That whole Lake Placid versus Anaconda. That's actually out. No, 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 that's actually out. Um, but she she was also in Sherlock, that BBC series, mm-hmm. in two of the episodes, playing the character's beautiful girl and beautiful drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's doing pretty well. What a I resume. Mean, I, yeah. um, uh, in, I think, is it was it William Friedkin's 1980 movie Cruising with Al Pacino, the lead character is called... Uh, Steve Burns. So there you go. I was played by Al Pacino. I definitely wasn't. I definitely wasn't. And all of these people are actually just clearly secretly us. Like we did all these things. (laughs) We're just trying to stay away from the fame. So, you know, don't make us too famous, everyone. I know that we've done a lot with our lives in many different, (laughs) many different industries. So, so, Steve, you were formerly at the, if I recall correctly, deputy editor yep. at videogamer.com, Videogamer yep. UK. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan of Videogamer as a, as a website. I'm a huge fan of the Miller Report and um, uh, Jim, uh, oh, I forget the exact, the Burns Unit. Yep. That was the right name for it. You, you and Jim playing um, Fallout and Morrowind and, and that's yeah. a huge fan of that. Um, and if you are now striking out on your own which yep. is why I suggested either you or Jim as a guest this week, uh, yep. because you have something you can promote, something something to sell. You've got something to sell our oh, listeners. It's like, it's exactly. like Kimmel. We'd... I'm going to get a book out and be like, yeah, this is my book. <laughs> yeah, we don't get people on this show just because we want to hang out with them. We're like, fine, fine, no one's going to agree to be on this piece of shit unless they've got something to tout. <laughs> well, I was just going to you know, sit around and talk about people who are me, but also aren't me. But, I, you know, I can talk about stuff if uh, if you'd like to hear it. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, what, so what, 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 sh- what things are you doing? Yeah, are they, are they the good? Are they shitty? Uh, yeah, so Left Video Gamer it's been there for nearly four years. And uh, so I've got, uh, along with two other guys, so Jim Trinker, also uh, formerly a video gamer, and a guy called David Mills. Uh, and we, we've got a YouTube channel called Jim and Burns and Dave, but it's it's not our, our main focus and uh, it's not, you know, really a business venture. It's just so we can just dick around on the Internet. Uh, what we're doing now is we have started a production company called Special Gun Productions. And, yeah, so we're hoping we can't say too much about it because it's very, very early stages. But, yeah, we've uh, hopefully got some very cool, creative uh, stuff lined up i think one of the things at video gamer that people really loved was uh the production so in the miller report as you say jim like buildings got blown up and uh you know and, and you appeared and then there was this whole storyline and yeah people really like the production i think of, uh, of that yeah. sort of stuff so it's something i've been very envious of because i can't do that stuff like i, I can buy equipment but you can't mm. buy talent to use it so i've got no like filmographic talent whatsoever the best i can hope for is you know stick a camera on a a tripod and just stand in front of it but Mm. with the miller report and and similar ventures you guys were uh, you know really like the production value was 
huge. It looked really impressive on what I'm sure was a budget similar to mine. Um, but you just knew what you were doing <laughs> to, to make it actually like look good that, and, and that, have some dynamism that, to it. That is a big advantage when doing things like knowing what you're doing. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Well, um, yeah. So our third guy, uh, Dave, his background is uh, film and television and he's worked on quite a lot of really big stuff he's like a really real man stuff, isn't it? yeah yeah so he's um he's just come off uh, working in the camera department on uh rogue one and yeah. done some stuff for episode eight seven game of thrones downton abbey all of that sort of thing so what we want coronation to do... street am i correct yes oh yeah. absolutely the like, most that... important one. Oh, he's done it all he's done it all sometimes i'm shocked <laughs> at the things that i find out that he actually has been on. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to kind of, you know, we love video games, even though sometimes we say that we don't, but we wanted to go and do all this, all this stuff that we, uh, obviously we couldn't do a video gamer. And yeah, yeah Dave's background is, is, as I say, film and television stuff. So we can start a production company and make some really cool stuff. Maybe, maybe that's short films, you know, who knows what, what form it will take. It just is, as I say, very early days. So yeah, but hopefully there's a few cool things in the pipeline and uh, I hope that you'll be seeing them uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Certainly looking forward to uh, seeing what you do. I've, I've become a big appreciator of the work you and Jim have done together over the uh, past couple of years. And I know, because we, we were talking briefly before we recorded, I know how scary it can be to be part of a company you know, a group of people have other people paying your wages yeah. and then striking out on your own and, and then realizing, you know, now I've got to actually make the money to pay yeah. myself yeah, uh, and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, because I think all three of us now on here are people who've done that, where we were at a place where someone paid us and now we do a thing where we're not paid by a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a fun road to travel. You wake up in the morning like, okay, what am I going to do today to, you know, keep food on the table? <laughs> Hooray! The best thing was is that I got a few friends of mine um, who are probably idiots. They're like, oh, so, you you know, you're, you're doing this on your own. What time do you get up these days? Well, like 11 or 12? I'm like, motherfucker, are you joking? Yeah, like, We're not you priests. <laughs> if I don't do it or if the guys don't do it, no one gets paid, you know, mm -hmm. nothing gets done. So, but I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a good motivator, especially if you've got a mortgage. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I can, I can relate to that. Yeah. I will sometimes give myself the luxury of like, I'll roll into the office. Uh, uh, by the office, I mean that room upstairs in my house. <laughs> I'll roll up there at about half a nine in the morning. So like I didn't have a commute and I'm still half an hour later than the, the average work day. <laughs> That's what I consider, like, I've achieved it in life. I have made it. I can have yeah. enough of a lion to get to work That's at half the close nine. I get to, to a holiday. Like, a vacation for me is like, oh, it's 2 p.m. I might knock off for a couple of hours uh, yeah. and treat myself um, and usually end up playing a game that I'm going to review later anyway, so it still works. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm up typically, I guess these days, anywhere between 4 and 6, typically, mm. is when I'm up in the morning. Um some of that's just force of habit, because when I worked at Destructoids, it was uh, kind of a Wild West thing of who gets to the interesting news first, um, mm -hmm. gets to write the interesting news and not the regurgitated press release because someone brought out a new fucking Mad Cats controller or something. <laughs> so I was up early so that 
anything interesting that happened I could actually write about and not hate myself. So I still do that. I still get up at anywhere between four and six. But, you know, gets, gets the work done. i got plenty mm. to do. So... Mm. Oh, sorry, so, in yeah, my throat. Should we, oh, God. Should we... Should we should we talk about some video gaming news stuff and stop you know promoting this piece of shit's project or whatever? <laughs> you wow! Out. All right, I'm out. Thanks for the wow. promotion. Nah, see, I'm this, out. See ya. <laughs> see, this is how we haze you into it. We've got to get you ready for the fact that like none of us on this show are thinking about what we're saying. It's like what might be funny. You say it, and then it's like, oh, oh shit, I might have fucked up. But whatever, it's, it's, it's good. absolutely fine. Like you know, you know where I used to work. <laughs> It's, yeah, I suspect it's fine. So we we got some news and things to talk about this week. Uh, What's going on? What are we going to start with? Okay, I I've got a story I want to start with because there is a great story I learned today about this piece of news. Okay. So there is a game for the HTC Vive called Accounting that is being made by William Pugh, who was one of the guys behind the Stanley Parable, and Justin Roiland in his new VR studio. He's the Rick and Morty guy. Mm-hmm. And there is a great story behind how this game came to be, which I just want to very quickly mention. This game came about because William Pugh jokingly lied on Twitter that he worked for Respawn Entertainment and then realised, oh shit, I fucked up and had to get around his his lie. So <laughs> just, just, Justin Roiland mentions on Twitter, like, hey, I'd love to, you know, make, take a tour of Respawn sometime. Anyone I know a big fan of Rick and Morty who works at Respawn? <laughs> and William Pugh jokes back, yeah, I totally work at Respawn wow. and I'm a big fan. At which point Justin Roiland says, I'm like five minutes away from their offices. If you're at work today, can you like come down and show me around? Oh, please tell at me you put point... on a fake moustache and let him in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like Justin Roiland follows him. So he quickly DMs back like, shit, sorry about this. I'm a big fan, but... <laughs> I don't exactly work for Respawn. And it it, it luckily works out, because Justin Roiland realises who he is. He's like, oh yeah, I played the Stanley Parable, that was cool. At which point William Pugh like, goes on Twitter and he's like, I fucked up, anyone actually work at Respawn that can help me hook up Justin Roiland? So their working relationship started because William Pugh jokingly lied that he worked nice. at Respawn. Nice. And now they're making a stupid game called Accounting, in VR, where a bunch of characters shout at you in improv shouting. <laughs> that's a, that's so, good. That's a nice story. I like how Twitter gets yeah. things like that done. Like that's why I, I had that voice role in um, Volume because I got drunk mm. and then just yelled at Mike Biffle to put me in his game, <laughs> and he did. Uh, Twitter can be good for that. Um, most of the time, when you get drunk and yell at people on Twitter, it's not a good idea though. So I don't recommend it to most people. You got to be kind of like really good at it, like me. So yeah, you you only hear the anecdotes where it works out well. You don't hear the anecdote where you get blocked on Twitter or just get blacklisted yeah. forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, uh, on one of the old podcasts I did. There was a long running saga that led to Dave Boreanaz, star of Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Bones blocking me. Um, because I repeatedly asked him to change his name to Matt Borealis because <laughs> I thought it was a better name for him. And he, yeah, he, he wasn't too happy, I don't think, and I'm still blocked by him to this day, and he was right to do it. Uh, I'm blocked by him as well now, I think, <laughs> because we I think because we mentioned it on this podcast once, the, the events 
got set into motion and now I'm blocked by him. So that's always fun. Listener, please... Please do not send things to Dave Boreanaz, star of Bones and Buffy and Angel. Um, he, I've heard he's an arsehole, but that doesn't mean he deserves lots of people telling him to change his name to Matt Borealis. I do not condone it. Um, Even if it is a better name. I mean, it is a, be- it is a better name. Dave Boreanaz, hard to remember. Matt Borealis, catching. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's the roller decks of notes. Rolex, so- I meant to say, not roller decks. So, Steve, are you a fan of either Rick and Morty or the Stanley Parable in any way? So I played the Stanley Parable, and, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. It was also one of those games that I just avoid talking about because I get the feeling I was a bit too stupid to actually understand most of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is one of those games where you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't fucking review this game. My uh, review for it pissed mm. people off because it was a paragraph long. I, um, that was the one where you were like, this game is amazing, trust me, I'm not telling you shit about it. <laughs> no, actually, it wasn't that. I, I did something similar to that for the Beginner's Guide, where I just kind of oh, wrote a little mini-autobiography. Yeah. Um, for the Stanley Parable, I did a, a paragraph that that was the only thing that showed up on the front page of the site. And then you you, know, you click through to the rest of it. So the first paragraph was just me talking about, like, how do you review a game like this? Um, where you can't really talk about its narrative because it's full of so many surprises that you uh, can't really give anything away. It diminishes the game itself simply to describe what happens in it. So how do you review that? Then you click through and it's just one other sentence that says it's easy. Mm. You don't. 10 out of 10 um and then most people to be fair did did get what i was doing but uh it did piss off a few people but i stand by it i still stand by that review i think that was the the i I, it was the best way for me to have reviewed it was to just talk about the impossibility of reviewing it and then just whacking a number on it Mm. um and i i do I do love that game, but uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. I'm trying to yeah. get in with Justin Roiland. I know several people who know Justin Roiland, and I'm, I'm trying to get in with him. But he seems like a very cool person to know. I'm very jealous of the people that I know right? that know him. So I'm like, I I'm in a similar situation. I'm like, I've got enough degrees of separation, like people that know him. Surely I can make friendship happen, you know. Exactly. Surely I can exploit my friends to get to know a person who seems cool. I sent to one of my my friends who's working with him on something, and he's like, I, I tell you what, I bet he's a fan of yours. And I'm like, I I, I don't want to ask him to ask him <laughs> if that's true because he'll probably you don't say want no the answer break my of, heart. You don't want the answer of either he's never heard of you or he's heard of you, he thinks you're shit. I, I, I wouldn't mind right, that Those last are answers one. you'd rather... Oh, you'd, you'd, you'd be okay with I'd he's prefer, heard of you but thinks you're shit. I'd prefer him to like me, but if he thinks some shit, that's, some, that's something. It's better that's, than you t- having You blipped up on his radar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if he is, but if... Can, can I be in your cartoon? Can, can, I, can I make a silly voice for you, sir? Can I, you can't say, I, I, I can do funny characters. Can't think of any right now, but I can do it. That's that's apparently coming soon. It's going to be some kind of short game, and the dialogue was mostly ad libbed. I'm okay with both of those people ad libbing things because they both seem good at ad libbing stupid dialogue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, I, I'm. Um... I, that, that I will drag my Vive back out into the office for right, that. Right, yeah, like, Royland, between that and the, the Rick and Morty VR thing they're doing, 
um, is actually mm. going to make me pick my vibe up off the floor. Like, it's, it's yeah. been sat next to me on the floor for weeks, and I've just not picked the thing up. Um, I mean, I've talked about this, like, with the whole uh, the spinal rupture thing I've got going on. Uh, half the games I can't play because it involves standing up and twisting around, which is mm. part of the reason I'm in so much fucking agony every single day of my life in the first place. So... I, I can't. I can barely do anything with the bloody thing. Uh, a few of them, you know, you can use controllers and stuff, but uh, this this whole full room VR thing can't do. Mm. Um, other news we had this week, which I think surprises nobody, but is kind of amazing. You know how The Last Guardian is that game that was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed, and, delayed and, delayed and, delayed and, delayed and then it finally got a release date at E3. <laughs> It's been delayed. <laughs> I laughed like, so I, hard. Like not out of. I, I want to say like it's not out of meanness. It's not out of spite. It it is funny though. It's it's funny in that like when they finally gave a release date at E3, I was like, okay, they have to know that they cannot push this back ever. <laughs> They're or running out ridicule. of 2016. They're running out yeah, of 2016 to push it back. They've, They've pushed it to December, and I'm like, go on, just push it back a few more weeks, make it a 2017 game, go on, go on. Because if it hits 2017, it's been a decade since it was announced. Maybe that's oh, what they're doing. Just do it then. Just do it. Like, uh, with with The Last Guardian, I, I feel that it's a... So there's a review I read, and I can't remember if it's by Anthony Lane or Tom Schoen or someone like that. They're talking about Star Wars Episode One, and Like, it's been mm-hmm. so long. People have been waiting for this forever that what they should just do is the game or the film in that instance, just, just never release it. Just, just keep on putting, it'd be out soon. Yeah. It's coming out soon. And then just be like, Mm -hmm. it's never, we're just doing it just to see how people react. They should basically do with it what they've done with beyond good and evil, where it's like, they clearly like have no intention of putting it out anymore, but they're still like, no, it's still coming. It's still coming. It's still coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm honestly <laughs> like, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about how sick I am of all the memetic jokes and everything surrounding it. But uh, um, Half-Life 3, like, I honestly feel like that might be Valve's best bet. Like, it's clear they make enough bank off Steam that they don't have to make games anymore and they don't seem all that interested. Uh, so maybe it would probably be better for them to just not do it now because no matter yeah. what comes out, it's not going to be good well, enough. Don't say that it's not coming because then people will lose hope and get mad at you. Just quietly be like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, they might. And they then might do nothing with it. We'll never know because that's the beauty yeah. of the trick is you can just keep going on that path forever. Mm. Now, see, like, cynicism aside, The Last Guardian getting delayed this close to launch, like a <laughs> Sorry, month out from, from launch. I know, I know. Last Being delayed, like, a delayed month... are, like, like, the three funniest words I've heard in concert this year. <laughs> well, con- considering that it got delayed, like, a month out from launch, like, it's probably not because there's a problem with the game. It probably failed something in certification. So it's like it's probably not an actual problem with the game at this stage. No, no, it's it it's, is still just great news to hear. At this point on the track, the game is probably as good as it's going to be. Whether that's a positive or a negative, we're not going to know until allegedly December sixth. But uh, mm. yeah, I mean, at this point, I am just—I don't know how I feel about the last Guardian. Actually, I. 
it's the, been the so long that, that I just mm. I really am just just let's get it out now. Let's I'm not excited the, nor pissed or upset about it. I just mm. I'm just ready to to see it and get it out of the way. I'm just interested fact, in it. Like I just want to see it now. For the same yeah. reason that I mm. still have a uh, a promo copy of Duke Nukem Forever is that when I was <laughs> you know I was like I can't I, I'm going to keep this one. I'm, like, I'm not going to you know because it, it, it got sent to the place I was at before Video Gamer, and uh, yeah, so it was sent to me. And usually they're in the office, but I was like, yeah, I think you know because you get to you know keep them at home if you need to play them. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this just because I need proof it's that it exists. Like if I don't have it anywhere, it may just then go back into development. And like, I just I, I need to have it here at all times, just in case. And with the Last yeah. Guardian, I'm just very interested. I yeah, I'm with Jim. I have no like uh, like passion for the game, despite the fact I love the other works. But I'm just like I just want to play it now. I'm just I'm more curious than, than excited or you know mad. I- I want it to be out just so that I don't have to have a part of my brain dedicated to The Last Guardian isn't out. When is it? <laughs> that bit in my brain that is The Last Guardian is a thing in the future that doesn't yet It'll exist free up that I know hard about. Drive space in your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to be able to like archive it to games that definitely exist. <laughs> so, oh, it's it's weird. Um, I'm still dubious of this game, mainly because a month out from when this game was meant to be released, when it still had an October release date, it had not had any hands-on time with any outlet. No one had been able to touch this game. And that's always a reason to be slightly dubious when it shows up at like E3 after E3, trade show after trade show in trailer form, and no one's allowed to touch the thing. Yeah, like all so, of that leads uh, me to believe, and that's, you know, this is pure conjecture on my part, that they really are doing this out of obligation rather than anything yeah. else. Like, it, it's just something I feel like they're thinking, all right, we've got to get this out of the way. Get it, like, very much with um, how you said about freeing up space in your head. Uh, I, c- I can only imagine at this point the developers and Sony alike are just get this they, done so we can move on with our lives. Just they have it sunk. Out. Yeah, they've sunk too much into this at this stage to not try and get it out and recoup something. Yeah. Also, can we even if it's not much, they need to get something back. Can we just say for the record, because whenever a game delay comes up, it's quoted. The, the thing Miyamoto said about. Um, oh. You know, a good game, that, yeah. a, a game that's delayed is eventually good. A bad game's bad for it, right? Is bollocks. Well, it was it was kind of bollocks when he said it because, like, just delaying a game doesn't automatically make it good. No, it, and it, it can make it worse. It, the more you work it, on something, yeah. like, like you know, Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, yeah. It was a delayed game that was worse for being delayed. Fucking George Lucas and his endless special editions. Sometimes the more mm. you revisit, the more you keep hammering on at something the worse you can make it and not and, even know and the second half of that quote doesn't work anymore the um uh, a, a released game is bad forever because patches now exist like a game can come out bad and be fixed like I, neither that part, part of that really works at that this part like, i'm not too i'm not as adamant about well, if only for the fact I, that there are some games that i don't believe are patchably fixable uh, that I, is there fair. Are games, but like, I think Aliens Colonial Marines had a mod made for it that was a full patch. Like it, it upped the uh, 
like fully improved the aliens AI, uh, fully improved the visuals. It, it made so many changes. And don't get me wrong, the difference between what Gearbox squirted out of its <laughs> multi cut and the thing that this person worked on for free, uh, mm. it is night and day. Like it's clear that the fan patch version is markedly better, mm. highly superior, but. but the the bones of it are still bad, and there are some yeah, things you just can't fix. My my point is kind of that anything that could have been fixed by delaying the game are probably the same things that could be fixed by patching. Yeah, like anything you could fix by delaying that game, you can fix po- uh, fix post release yeah. with a patch. And as such, delaying a game, you know, doesn't and not delaying a game doesn't ensure that it's bad forever. No, if delaying it would have fixed it. I think speaks, when you look at the quote, it's gibberish. I think it speaks more to uh, to Nintendo's design philosophy. Really, it's a nice it's a nice little insight into I think how at that point maybe they were they were building their games. Because there's also this other thing. I think Miyamoto had said that you know if you know when they make a Mario game or whatever, and you know he's just in an empty room, and if you can't have fun in that empty room with just a few other things, then you've got an issue. So I think it. He, you know, it may as well have said, you know, at Nintendo, if we delay it, we'll we'll hammer the fucking resources into it to make sure. But I think the the point of that you're saying about the the bones of the game being bad, like there's no some games you just can't dress up very bad design decisions. And I think in the case of Duke Nukem Forever, you've got a game which used to be, like when people remember Duke Nukem uh, 3D, they might remember that you could give strippers money. Or you could, uh, you know, you could swear like on command or whatever. But actually, it was a very sophisticated game for its time. In that, if you think about, you know, Doom and Quake, even though it's the build engine and Junior Confederate, its world building was incredible. Like you could shoot through the uh, the cinema screen. Mm-hmm. I know, and you know, I, I was amazed at that point. You could get in cupboards. So that's, you know, I'm not that impressed with it now. But at the time, I was like, wow, it feels like it feels yeah. very tactile. This world, like. If you shoot something, it may react. If you interact with something, it would as it would kind of as it would in the real world. But with Duke Nukem mm. Forever, there's like, oh, you can only hold two guns now. And you're like, why? Like, what? Yeah. It doesn't fit. Like, so you've got these flying pig cop aliens, but you Duke can only hold two or three weapons at a time. You're like, this is bollocks. I, it doesn't make any I, sense. Yeah, this is why I, I can the- sometimes be more forgiving of games that have bugs or technical problems than a game that's like technically almost flawless, but has bad design decisions. Uh, mm. Some people look at games so technically that they're like, well, you shouldn't give a 1 out of 10 to that game because it's got no game-breaking bugs. And I'm like, yeah, but it's its core design philosophy is garbage. Yeah, but Jim, Jim, you have to be objective with your reviews. Yeah. Objective reviews Shh, are the only good that reviews. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so... The Last Guardian delayed. That's, that was that headline, I think, if I remember. Um, oh, the things we it's have this week. I was worried that my Jimquisition this week would be outdated um, because I was having a go at Sony um, for not addressing the whole Fallout 4 mod patch thing. And I'm like, if they address it before or even a bit after my video, then my video is obsolete and I'm, I'm fucked and I've... I've put all that effort into something that's already outdated mm. and then that delay came out and i'm like well fuck that's them all week 
that's their problem yeah. they're dealing with all week. Mm. Now they've forgotten about mods. My video's fine. <laughs> Um, other bits of news we had this week Oh, while we're talking about Sony Literally like an hour after we recorded last episode The PS4 Slim was announced, as we all know It's real Fuck everyone who said I was lying um, <laughs> we, also, we, also, we also got the reveal of the PS, PS4 Pro The PS Pro yeah, I can't yeah. remember if it's PS Pro or PS4 Pro. PS4 Pro um, Yeah, which kind of surprised everyone Because like, everyone was expecting it's going to be the same sort of specs as the Scorpio. It'll be, you know, December 2017, probably. Nope. It is considerably lower spec than the Scorpio, from what we know. It is coming in November, so it's like two months away. It's out before and The Last Guardian. It's out before The Last Guardian. And it's doing some very weird stuff. Like, when they say, oh, it's a 4K games console, that's very debatable um they're doing some weird stuff that i will try and explain as best i can rather than let's say you've got your 4k screen with your 4000 pixels and let's say you take a square of it that's two pixels by two pixels there should be four pixels in a square right rather than every frame rendering all four of those pixels what they're doing is doing two of those pixels diagonally then the next frame doing the opposite two pixels diagonally and rendering two new pixels each frame alternating and doing something with interpolation to try and make it not visible that that's what's happening. So you're getting half of a 4K screen rendered every frame and then the next frame they render the other half. And apparently this You lost me as a word pixel. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've got a 4K telly, but... Yeah. As one of the six they people s- have got it, and it should be like selling into. You're like, mm. oh, okay. And I like that Microsoft. Now, Microsoft made loads of mistakes, I think, uh, this generation, and Absolutely. loads. But I, you know, I liked that, uh, you know, like Major Nelson and, and all the guys are straight on Twitter after that going, well, actually, well, our, our Slim does, does this other stuff as they- well. They deserve to do that because Sony have been doing that all generations so oh, far. Yeah, like absolutely. from that from the from the very beginning with that this is how you lend games on PS4 video they did. Oh, like that's great. Sony, Sony deserved to like have their ass kicked a bit with this <laughs> poor presentation. It's like, yeah, yeah, you you've been you've been celebrating, you've been a bit you're not being terribly humble. <laughs> this is your punishment. Been, um, I mean they had such a, a turnaround. Like like it's like Microsoft and Sony traded places in more than a more than a few ways this generation Absolutely. i mean not just in terms of of market position but the the mistake like microsoft have been making so many of the mistakes sony made last gen um that it's it's baffling that they did well yeah it's like in the last three weeks or so sony have gone from like undisputedly on top in terms of marketing and messaging yeah they just kind of fucked it the past couple of weeks <laughs> yeah so like i don't know how they fucked up their ps4 new hardware reveal as badly as they yeah. did like the the big things they did wrong i think to sum it up would be they opened by talking about a console that people already knew about very dryly and not acknowledging the elephant in the room that everyone already knew it existed mm. they then went on to explaining the technical details of how hdr and 4k work which if you have TVs capable of those things, you probably already know that they're good. Mm. If you don't have a TV that supports those already, no amount of dryly explaining them to you is going to get you excited. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the 
I, I don't have one of those TVs yet. I'm, I'm uh, planning to obviously get one for... Uh, it, it, it's obviously just going to be useful for the job since that's the way uh, they're going. But uh, even then, even knowing that I will eventually be getting a TV that benefits from this stuff, I didn't care. I mean, it's not just because the fact they were trying to demonstrate uh, how 4K looks on a Twitch TV fucking live stream, which was about (laughs) as useful as anything. Here's your 720p maximum Twitch live stream that you probably don't have a 4K TV for. Watch some 4K footage. I mean, if you squinted, you could see the, the, the comparison shots. You could see, yeah, it looks a bit more detailed and everything. But how does it make the games more fun? That's that's where I'm at with this. I'm like, okay, so this this has a well, bit of extra texture. It, Does this make Bloodborne more fun? Will it run Bloodborne at 60 frames per second? Yeah. Did well, none of already, you said that. We're already getting word that that might not be the case, because one of the big ones they showed off was Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, that runs at 30 FPS yeah. on the standard PS4. On the Pro, it will run at 30 FPS. Ah. It's not going to have a better frame rate on the Pro. Ah. So we're already starting to get these kind of stories popping up. Um, That's it. And I say this as someone who, like, like my, my view on frame rate is I don't mind games at 30 FPS. I don't mind them at all. Mm. Um, I'm if fine it's locked, with that. it's fine. Um, but there is a marked difference. And I've played games... If, if I had to choose between a game that looked a bit better... And a game that ran at 60 frames per second as opposed to 30, I'd go with the frame rate because yeah. that's tactile. That's something I can feel. That's there. You know, that informs how I interact with the game. It's gameplay related. Some people consider it a graphics thing. I consider it. It's a gameplay thing. It changes how a game feels and it feels better. Uh, so I would always choose that over. Oh, you can see a like like. A few more pores in fucking Joel's face in The Last of Us. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, I always, um, I mean, John Cleese has gone a bit batshit past, uh, well, past a couple of decades. But one thing he said that's always stuck with me was uh, when he was talking about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And his big complaint was they kept trying to get fog in the forest uh, for a scene. Um, they wanted mm. it to look foggy and misty and everything. And they were wasting so much time getting this fog machine to work. And Cleese basically said, is the fog funny? Is the fog funny? Does it make the scene funnier? And mm. of course the answer was no. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying visuals are unimportant. They they are important. They A, a good-looking game is a good-looking game. You can't deny it. But it's not the most important thing. And... I will always choose something that makes the game play better than something that makes the game look better. And I think that's the big problem. They focus so much on, on making these games look textured and detailed and, and rich with, with, with all of these extra little accoutrements. Oh my God, the hair, the hair textures and, and every individual strand of Lara Croft's hair is blowing in the wind. And I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but does it run at 60 frames per second? Because that's objectively better. It's not even me saying it. It's maths. It's maths. <laughs> Sorry, I get I get really annoyed over this fucking visuals over the actual substance that, that just infests games. Minecraft's one of the biggest games in the world. It looks like dog shit. I think one of the things that, uh, that really holds a lot of uh, video games back and the discussion about video games and, and everything is that there's just this incredible like arms race all yeah. the time and, and people get lost in it. And it, it, it fair, fair enough, like it is, 
is there's a helicopter. I'm not sure if you can hear that. Oh, right you can here, definitely right hear over it. My, uh, <laughs> they finally found me. They've got me. Oh no! Um, they're gonna they're gonna drag you back to the world of retail work. <laughs> um, but yeah, people get lost in this, and I think you're absolutely right. Is that you? When you're when you're thinking about the game, you're thinking, does any of this shit actually fucking matter? Because I mean, you like, I just want that. You know, there are so many games, as you say, in Minecraft that are so sophisticated that work well, that just that don't look amazing, but their aesthetic is part of the actual design philosophy. Yeah. Like, and I mean aesthetic in the general sense, and not just the the visual sense. Like, there is something uh, in it, and there is a reason for that. Now, and one of the things in video games that people don't seem to get is that things don't always happen for a reason things just happen so like when i was mm-hmm. uh, like a, a tester working on games the, the the cool stuff and maybe some of the bad stuff that comes out can happen completely by accident and i think with video games people just think they have to look perfect and, and run amazingly well and they just can they just will and if they don't the developers are lazy but it's a series of humans who are known notoriously to be quite stupid sitting around and making decisions and they've got other shit going on one things with sony i think there with oh i mean i can't believe they made this mistake is that once you've worked for like a massive transnational company with millions of dollars invested in the product and billions maybe is that you realize it is just a series of people making decisions and sometimes those decisions are the wrong ones you think about sony as this monolith as this gigantic corporation but really, you know, it's just a bunch of people. And so I'm not excusing them. I'm just saying that a lot of people in video games think that, you know, you, you have an idea and then this wonderful thing happens and you code it and design it and then out it comes. But really, yeah, I think people have got to stop this obsession with the game looking good because it looks nice, yeah. because the hair looks good. You know, people laugh about it. I bang on about Kane Lynch 2 all the time, right? Because I don't think it's, it's a great game or the greatest game, but I love the way it looks because it deliberately looks like it was shot on inferior technology. Yeah, than what I mean, was it, was a, hmm. it was a bold artistic direction. It gave me a very literal migraine. So I wasn't a big fan of the execution, <laughs> um, but I, I, I respect that they uh, tried. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, I had a, because I know you mentioned Kane and Lynch too a lot. I have a fondness for the first Kane and Lynch uh, for several reasons. Um, Kane and Lynch 2 was a huge disappointment to me personally. I, mm. I got, I, I was furious at its existence um, and for killing a pair of video game protagonists because, let's face it, they're not going to get another crack at the whip uh, that, that I genuinely thought were some of the most fascinating protagonists that have ever oh, they're been. They're right fucking game. bastards, aren't they? No redeeming, uh, yeah. no redeeming qualities. What's, and even in, when they tried to redeem Kane, it just ends up with his daughter getting crushed by a truck or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's especially these days where, where video games have, um, I guess, tried to they, they try a lot more to reflect the 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 baseline morals of the general pop, like, uh, population. So you get a game like Overlord um, from from Codemasters. Now, I, I really like the the uh, original Overlord games, but it wasn't like Dungeon Keeper where you were unremittingly the baddie, the evil person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Overlord had to pit you against like fallen heroes who ended up worse than you because mm-hmm. you've always got to fight something that's objectively more evil than you are mm-hmm. um, because that's 
how video games are. They they they're, they're a bit too afraid to to put you in the shoes of someone truly bad. They're, even if you're a bad guy, there's someone worse. But Kane and Lynch was. Um, you know, they, they were, like you said, irredeemable. They were a pair of murderous, horrendous bastards. And I thought that was very, very bold uh, of them to do. And, yeah, it's a shame that, that Kane and Lynch 2 was uh, certainly, fr- uh, from my position, uh, one of the worst games of its year. Uh, but I do, <laughs> I, I'm jealous of people who, who actually did enjoy it because I, God, I really wanted to. Really I think want. IO does does that sort of thing really really well and like i love the new hitman stuff i think it's pretty much my favorite game of the year or favorite episodes of the year uh and what i what i love about hitman is it kind of has this uh, this winking uh, thing with diana uh your handler and everything and the game in its world in its systems in its characters it acknowledges the fact that you really really enjoy this without going it never admonishes you really for being like a bad person listen gassing like a room full of people is bad like or you know breaking the necks of you know cleaning staff to get their you know thing or calling people into the room and deceiving them and then chucking them off the balcony is bad like and what i love about it is that everyone is there's i'm not sure they're even morally gray you're very very morally black but you're just like fine like we know you enjoy this and that's hitman is enough of a blank slate for you to project yourself onto him but there's all this other thing around him like i say in the world where you're just like the game is always just going wouldn't it be fun if you just threw an axe into someone's head now but it's never it's never as overt as that it maybe you get this little hint one of the best um uh one of the best tool tips in any video game not that there's you know really a competition on that uh is (laughs) Uh, at the start of Hitman 2's first mission proper, uh, when you they know you're going to garrot the postman, so you kill the postman and you take his you take his outfit and then it just says hint postman don't carry guns. So it's like we know what you're going <laughs> to fucking do, like, and that's why IO does that very well. I do it better than anyone I'd say mm. in, in video games. I respect games that are honest about what they are. You know, they're, they're upfront about it. That was always my big... People think I was critical of Quiet in Metal Gear Solid Five because I'm an SJW who hates sexy women. Um, no, it's, but it was, it's it because was the, they it, tried to hide what they were doing. It was the intellectual dishonesty of it. That was my problem. Mm-hmm. It was that whole you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds thing. Um, yeah. And people forget that I was one of the few people to actually praise the last Oni Chandra game that came out because, yeah, <laughs> it was trashy junk food gaming about girls in bikinis slicing zombies up Mm. but it wasn't trying to be anything else it wasn't trying to deceive you into it It was anything other than gutter trash and i respect gutter trash and i like i enjoy trash that sits there and says yeah we're trash and we're having Mm. fun doing it it's exactly why i prefer senran kagura to again to quiet in metal gear solid because at least they were open about what they were doing they didn't try and say oh no but we had to put the sexy girl in no clothes because she breathed through her skin yeah it's the most bullshit like no you clearly just wanted an excuse you wanted an excuse to do this just own up to that you're kojima no one's gonna yeah, like, no ju- one judge you too harsh, they harshly. don't know you're skeevy that's part of your yeah. charm just 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 own it one um, of the things about the dishonesty he was saying there and is that a lot of the defense of that sort of thing is well snake uh 
you could, he can not wear a shirt or whatever. And this is one of the things that fascinates me about video games and talking about video games is that in video games, we call it uh, a camera, right? You know, adjust the camera. But it's not yeah. really a camera. Like, it's more a feed. So I know that might sound like, you know, contradict, but if you think of a camera as something that you would use to frame something with and then take a very deliberate snapshot of something at a certain time. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, a feed could be, I mean, Call of Duty's camera is just nonsensical, really, if you step back and think about it, right? But it's meant to be how you see it. And in MGS5, the way that the camera looks at different people in its cutscenes gives away Yes. what they were really going for Absolutely. so the, the quiet stuff is shot so differently but because you're so ingrained i think video game players are so ingrained to think as the camera as just being everything all the time they don't then make the distinction between what they would consider to be action or real time and cutscenes. and those those cutscenes are storyboard written storyboarded directed and post-produced to to do that exact thing of where it's looking. Mm-hmm. So it's the same with some of the Capcom stuff where, you know, but Hot Ryu doesn't have his shirt on either. And it's like, well, there there is a kind of difference there. And I think with MGS5, that was one of the main things where as soon as they said, oh, no, it's not this, it's very, that argument is very easily undercut just by watching the fucking thing. The game thing. itself, yeah, absolutely disproves it. It's, it's the difference between this character exists within the frame and this character is the focus of the frame, and these parts of this character are the yeah. focus of the frame. Yeah. And yeah. Like, well, there's they, a big difference between there's, there's well. a hot shirtless guy that happens to exist versus here is a camera that is slowly going to pan across genitals and chest. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's like, why, why, why is the shirt off? Why is that person in a bikini? It's a, they, they, don't, they only look at the... It's, it's, it's a rather shallow interpretation. You know, they just see... Well, this dude's naked. This girl's naked. They are exactly the same. And it's like, well, no, because it is. How are they being presented? Why are they being presented this way? You know, Raiden with his clothes off in Metal Gear Solid Two was not for you to wank over. It was played for laughs. Mm. You know, he's copying like his his little winkers and it, falling on the to- stairs. It's kind of there to be like, hey, he's in a very fragile situation right now. He's very exposed and at risk, and that's heightened by his nudity. Yeah, I mean, I tried like to, that, I tried to argue. It's a narrative. There's a narrative ago, reason for it because <laughs> it's a very common argument for people to bring up the whole, well, men are just as objectified as women in games, and it's like, well, no, no, half the time they're idealized, which is a very different thing, and mm. you can argue why that's wrong as well, but it is a different subject to you know the other stuff. Um, but but anyway, like, uh, that that my, pissed my, off my, the uh, the remnants yeah. of, of of the <laughs> the, the more conservative leaning gamers who for some reason mm. still listen. Um, you're very welcome. Uh, but, but, but I know you're upset now. Shall I talk about Org Lives Matter and why that's wrong? Will that cheer you up? Uh, the 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 way I always explain the difference between the t- the two of them is you never like you may see characters that are male characters that are big and muscular, but you never see big and muscular characters with a huge dong that is just like 
very clearly visible through their clothes that are very short, skimpy, hot pants, and it's like, these are designed, and the cutscenes are here, to show off that bulge. Which is why I like maintain that, that the Saints yeah. Row series is one of the most surprisingly progressive games that exist, and why yeah. its existence disproves this idea that being inclusive and more progressive is like automatically censorship and automatically uh, stifles your creativity, because there are a yeah, few series can... as, as creative as Saints Row, and you they are... You can just sex up the man junk. Well, yeah, they, they are that's, shockingly that's a way of doing it. Mm. So, yeah. Um, what other things do we have to talk about this week? Uh, games and things what we have played this week. I wanted to talk a little bit about Pokemon Go, because I was kind of falling nice off surprise. of that wagon. Yeah. I was falling off of it, and then they've managed to pull me back in. What, so, have they changed anything? I they, deleted it, I got bored of it. They've made an addition that has got me back in invested in it, so Pokemon Go. Problems that it had for a while are that if you wanted to go after specific Pokemon, that was being made more difficult. Um, the tracking features were reduced to the point that it was hard to find a Pokemon you wanted, even if it was like nearby, you didn't know where to go. Um, a lot of the updates were seemingly themed around, like, uh maybe you'll luck into like the the pokemon you need for this evolution or whatever and the thing they have added today is called buddy mode and basically you can pick one of your pokemon that's that you have pick that one to be your buddy and it'll stand next to you and walk around with you and for every couple of kilometers you walk you will start collecting the candy that you need for upgrading it this fixes a problem that's i've had with that not, for a yeah. while where yeah, if, like I have, I have a Charmander that for a while has been like two candies away from evolving, and I really bloody want a Charizard. Previously, I had no way of getting it other than to wait and hope I lucked out that Charmanders would spawn near me or that I'd get them from eggs. Now, if I want to power up or evolve a specific Pokemon, I can be like, okay, that one's my buddy. And now, when I go walking with Pokemon Go, even if I don't find anything cool. I know that I'm working towards that upgrade that I specifically wanted to do on this Pokemon. Mm. Well, not and a bad that idea. has helped a lot in getting me back invested because I know I might as well have it open because, like, you know, the, the egg system previously existed to try and get you having that game open while you walked. You never knew if you'd get something good or bad. It was usually something you already had. This is, no, have it open while you're walking you will be actively working towards a goal that you have picked for yourself. Yes, that's so, all right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not reinstalling enough, it. That's fair enough, but that's enough that I've picked it back up and I've gone, yeah, I am happy to keep playing it. So I'm I'm at 98 Pokemon Court of 150, I think. So I'm getting that. I caught a Wild Blastoise today. That was exciting. Um, so yeah, we I think we played a few other games this week. Um... Both me and Jim have played ReCore. Yeah. How did you find that one, Jim? I, I was surprised that I had one of the highest scores for it when the reviews came out. Mm. I, I It's run the gamut, that one. Um, I'm shocked how low some of the scores have gone, because I similarly really enjoyed it in spite of its flaws. That's it, it's got problems. It's got problems out yeah. the wazoo. Like, those loading times are unbelievable. Like, I oh, was so annoyed I was running a stopwatch. And going from one I could just see it. I could just fucking see it. You're getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And just as you're about to explode, 
it loads and then it happens again and again <laughs> like mark on peep show trying to get into that desk he's like why don't i fix this oh it's open now it's fine yeah it, I, I, it was exactly that situation um yeah like there is no loading time in that game and i tested this there is no loading time in that game less than a minute it's it, no matter the size of, of the area being loaded no matter like like what you're doing uh, the the highest I got was a minute and forty seconds, and the lowest is like about a minute if you die and have to reload a checkpoint. Even if you died in the same room, you're about to respawn in. And <laughs> it, it, it is a game that you definitely need to have a podcast ready to go to be like, oh, it's a loading screen. I guess I'll listen through a few minutes of this. <laughs> That's it. I was I was I was able to do whole toilet breaks. I was able to you know read the Wikipedia article on Sharon Gate. Uh, from EastEnders during that period. I've been really nostalgic for the home country lately, watching a lot of EastEnders clips from the uh, late 90s to early 2000s. Is this where and, Sharon uh, slept with Phil? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah classic. Um, yeah, I find if you get, like, like really, really, really high and re-watch old EastEnders clips, you start, like, thinking you have false memories in your head. Because this is stuff that you remember but don't, because that show was on three times a week uh, for years, for decades. So you can't remember all that in your head, but your brain recollects that at one point you saw Grant Mitchell kissing Tiffany's mother, and, <laughs> and then Tiffany overheard her on the baby monitor. Uh, but you don't explicitly remember it, you no, just remember you, the idea of remember... having seen it. You remember that you used to remember that. Yes, exactly. And it it really messes with your head. So do that, listener. It's fun. I well, don't take drugs. I can't condone that. <laughs> but um anyway, where, what was I talking about? Recall. That's what I was talking about. Um yeah, so the loading times are bad. There's a lot of glitches, a lot of bugs. Yeah. Um, it's an unpolished game oh, for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. It's uh Concept are making a name for themselves very, very quickly. <laughs> mm. I do feel kind of sorry for them. Uh, here's Keiji Nafune again uh, with a, another game that's getting really not very good reviews, uh, which oh. is a shame because unlike Mighty Number no. 9, this one isn't a bucket of shit. Well, the thing is, they're trending <laughs> upwards. So, like, if the improvement from, from Shitey Number no. 9 up to ReCore is the same between ReCore and their next game, then the next game will be great. Yeah. I mean, I just think, and this goes back to the idea of. Uh, you know, uh, technical issues and the bones of it, the actual design decisions. Because that is a game that is designed to make you fast travel and backtrack so much. Uh, constantly go back to uh, the main character's base to upgrade the robots and stuff. And I barely bothered upgrading the robots, not because I didn't want to, or not because I even needed to, because I did need to, but the loading to get back and forth every time. And then there are like things in the environment that's a bit Metroidvania, like one robot you have is the only one that can get over this obstacle. Uh, and you can only have two of the robots with you at any one time. And you've got three robots and that's not including alternate forms. And that requires going back to the base and swapping out or finding a fast travel point and swapping out. So there's so much back and forth, so much going from map to map and that's on top of some of the worst loading times I've ever seen. And it's like, you had to, you needed to have picked one of those. Pick one, pick, have terrible loading or lots of needing to fast travel. The fact that both of them are together only compounds it. And, and it's one of those decisions that uh, 
Well, I guess like what Steve was saying earlier about how, uh, you know, people in general are stupid and make decisions uh, for good or worse. This is one of those ones where, oh, hit the microphone, where taking a step back and being able to look at it, I'm like, what made you think this was good? What made you think this was a good idea? The thing is, regardless of all of that, I enjoyed the concept and the general execution enough and the moment-to-moment gameplay that I would rather be playing a game like this where I'm I'm really into the moment-to-moment idea of the game, but it's buggy and there's yeah. big loading times. I'd far rather be playing that than something like Duke Nukem Forever, as we said earlier, that's more polished but that I'm not having fun actually playing. It's uh, it's a good game. It is a good game. It's a good game that yeah. should have been spectacular. And, and I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that game has the the tools to have been something incredibly special. Yeah. Uh, I think with a bigger budget behind it, this would have been like a game of the year contender had it had the money and time behind it to like yeah, just if, polish it up. If they'd have siphoned off just a few more... Just, just maybe a couple grand more from the Mighty Number no. Nine Kickstarter fund mm. into this. Um, not that I'm saying they did that. That, that, that was a joke. That wasn't an allegation. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, if they, if they'd have had more money behind this one, I think it would have been something really, really good. But uh, then again, maybe not. I mean, Mighty Number no. Nine had a shitload of money behind it, and, and money and talent are two different things. Mm. Um, you know, it's like me with my mm. my cameras and shit. You know, it's it's yeah. It 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 does just feel like it didn't have quite long enough in the oven, but like the ingredients were in the perfect mix. Yeah. It just needed longer to cook. It's it was one a of bit those ones, and raw on the inside. It's one of those ones where you look at and think a sequel to this would be probably like ten times better. But the chances of it getting a sequel, especially now, are not great. I feel really bad that this is my reference point, but I'm going to say it feels like when you're watching the Great British Bake Off and (laughs) they're doing the the technical challenge and it's that one person where, you know, the judges don't know whose it was, but they take a bite and they're like, the the flavours are fantastic. It's inedible. It needed three more minutes in the oven, and it would have been great. And it's, it, it, in fact, it's going to make me. It's going to make me throw up because you didn't give it that extra three minutes in the oven. That's what it feels like. It so. is the Great British Bake Off technical challenge yeah. games. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Steve, what what have you been playing? Well, not. I'm playing uh, any of the games. You've been saying no Pokemon Go, certainly. So most of my time is taken up with uh, the new Pro Evolution Soccer, which anyone who knows me is listening to this will be laughing now going, I can't believe that he mentioned Kane Lynch 2 in Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs> Uh, you are kind of acting very true to brand at the moment yeah Uh, which is really good it is amazing and i think the licensing this year is is worse than last year and the big thing is is that uh, in britain that you the premier league uh, and in fact none of the british leagues are licensed save two clubs in the top flight but they've made importing the uh the kits that people make so much easier this year it's almost like one or two button so i've been playing that really enjoying it um i played a couple of other games so mother russia bleeds which uh which is that yeah yeah i yeah i only played a little bit of it because uh i didn't have enough time and there was some restrictions on what i was doing with it but yeah i really enjoyed it like it's um it's one of those it feels like you know it's like streets of rage but it came out of my brain so it's just, uh, is yeah, I really, really like it. Some some nice, cute design decisions in there as well about uh, how you 
uh, you know how you cross the playing field how you move and how you fight and uh, yeah I, Jim and I played it and we just had a really great time and a lot of I'm not going to be like retro gaming was better because listen mother I was there and it was fucking shit right some of it was good don't get me wrong but trust me um, but yeah I, I really enjoyed that it just like a night like a nice side scrolling beat em up you know with a with a really cool visual style and you know devolver just went mental on it and like right cool let's you know it's got good music it's got i love it's got, the soundtrack oh, it's got fatalities in it and i was thinking to myself i've not been this excited about punching a man's head off since the original Mortal Kombat. i don't think <laughs> so you know that uh, that probably spoke to my mental right. age I am glad to hear that that it is this enjoyable. Like I, I had high hopes for it because it's Devolver Digital and they don't seem to have had like a real miss in a while. So that's yeah, good. Yeah. I I have a drink prepared to dr- to to drink while I play this game because I want to play this tonight. <laughs> I, I found I found a can of a drink called Power of the Russian Masters. Oh my word! Wow. Um, it has an angry Russian man drawing a sword in front of the Russian flag. I need this. Um, I need it. Fundrafel is written in very large letters across the top of it. It's an energy drink that tastes of watermelon, beer, and cowpole. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just wanted to get a mention for that in there because I picked it up today and I was like, now that I have this in my house, I feel like I need to finally, like, I've had code set around for, for this game. This is the time to try it, I think. Nice. Yeah. I do that sometimes. I have to... Like, if I if I play Fallout... I've been replaying Fallout uh, 4 recently. Um, like, I'll need, I'll need Coke in a glass bottle so that I can feel... I can pretend I'm drinking Nuka-Cola. <laughs> and that just gets me into it a bit more. It's harder to do now because I've not had caffeine in... Well, it must be years now. Um... Well, it's been two years, maybe. And so I've got to find caffeine-free stuff, most most of which is shy. But there's this, um, there's a, a, a store that sells caffeine-free Coke that's actually quite good in a glass bottle. I need to go get some so I can immerse it myself in the world of Fallout with a glass bottle of Coke. Um, and I did the same when I was playing Risen 2. Got trashed on rum uh, and started playing my pirate RPG. It was awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I, mean, I I really wanted to like Mother Russia Bleeds more than I did. I it, I, I came away with from it thinking it was all right. I, I didn't hate it, um, and I I found it entertaining. But it wasn't as brilliant as as, as someone who's a big fan of uh, Streets of Rage and Golden Axe and you know brawlers were were my thing growing up. Um, there was just enough about it that that just annoyed me. Um, some of the later levels are just. It, it's that whole school of more enemies equals more difficulty when yeah. when that's not really uh, designed difficulty. That's just throwing shit at you. Uh, and that makes the whole healing system of having to not do anything for several seconds to draw the healing, um, the, the necro out of a twitching corpse on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, just really fucking annoying. Uh, but mm. but it, its style is, is fantastic. The, the, the presentation of it's really good, and the the soundtrack at times sounds like it belongs on Stranger Things. Uh, has a real mm. good eighties vibe to it. So I, I wish I'd liked it more than I did, but I'm glad for people who who have really gotten into it, as I always yeah. am. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to giving it a go. So um, well, yeah, you've got, you got time Angry to... Russia oh. drink. 
Yeah, I've got Angry Russia drink. I've got to see if Mother Russia bleeds while the Angry Russian masters are fueling me. Angry Russian masters. I love I'm it. I'm going to look out for, for that drink. And I also, uh, I once had, uh, or I once saw what I think is an energy drink um, in a market somewhere uh, in London. And it was called Power Horse. And it was, the, <laughs> oh man, I was just as like, dude, oh. it had like the most like low key but aggressive Kind of like packaging on it as if like go on then have a fucking go on this and i was like there's no way and <laughs> no way and i remember like oh man some of the so I don't mind red bull for example but some mm. of them some of those energy drinks monster i'm not a huge fan of. i remember when was it schweppes introduced uh relentless which was the in the mm. uk which was kind of the first introduction to the really big can like america yeah style you're, stuff. you're half a liter drink oh man it, I was at university uh, at that point and I like a drunk one and I was like, wow, like so unbelievable. You know, people are like, oh, I drink energy drinks and I get really wired and you're like, you're not drinking enough of them basically. But this one's yeah. like shit, a proper, and then that's why I don't drink relentless anymore. But power horse, uh, I will find that again. <laughs> it will be I, mine. I have drunk a litany of energy drinks in the time we've been doing this show, I'm trying to think of what my favourites are now. There was there was the one that that promised unlimited energy, um, which is quite a high uh, promise. Sure I, really I understand. Um, I remember you drank pussy on the show. Oh yeah, someone sent me a like a six kilo crate of pussy, where I was like, that that is enough of this energy drink that I could legitimately drown in pussy. Um, they actually sell they sell pussy in actual sex shops. In, yeah, in, because in the uh, it's got the sex word on it. Yeah. Um, my favourite might still be the uh, the lesbian space tits energy drink, what? where it was <laughs> it was just a couple of lesbians having some sexy kissing with like punk rock hair, and they were floating in space. There was no name on this energy drink. <laughs> the brand was the naked punk lesbians kissing and cuddling the, in space. The culture of energy drinks is fascinating. I I, I actually I um. Uh, kicked an addiction to Monster Energy. I got hooked on the stuff. Not mm. not even for the caffeine content. Like I don't get wired off caffeine, um, but you know I, I had the same addiction most people get to caffeine in in mm. in, in the West. Um, but like I loved the taste of it. I love the taste of energy yeah. drinks, and I realize it tastes like gasoline and piss and radiation. <laughs> but yeah, it's but... it's just got the right combination of gasoline and piss and radiation that I find. Um, quite delectable yeah. um i i must say i'm very sad that there haven't been any like brand deals on any of the major energy drinks in a while because i did enjoy last year where we got like the call of duty advanced monster energy warfare oh yeah assault. energy the drink assault assault energy you can't call a drink assault you can't no. do it but um, <laughs> I, I they proved that you can i started drinking i've i, I think they, they're not popular because I, I haven't seen them in a while but I, I kicked the monster habit, and I'm like, well, that's great, because I stopped the caffeine thing. Stopped getting a migraine every weekend. Uh, and then found out they were doing caffeine-free monster, which to many people mm. would defeat the purpose. But I was made up. I, I couldn't believe my luck. I used to get crates of the stuff in. Uh, and then they kind of, that seems to have gone. So now I drink water. Oh, you damn healthy <laughs> the person. Story in the world. <laughs> Fuck you. 
No, I at this point I still drink too much caffeine drinks, but I like to be adventurous and and try weird run ones with angry Russian swordmen on them where That's I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Diversity. Right. So we we got time for a few questions before we uh, wrap up. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So questions we have this week um, at Share Anecdotes on Twitter. What's the most expensive thing that you've broken by accident? Um, I, I feel like any answer I have for this is going to be really boring. Like I dropped a phone. Yeah, yeah that you, that'll do it per, vo- per dollar value. Like, it? Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that's like not an everyday use item that was maybe someone else's that I broke. I did buy a Xenomorph uh, uh, high-end figure for like 250 bucks, and then it fell off my desk in the middle of the night and broke its jaw and <laughs> and then just had this I, like twisty jaw and that was like a week after i got it um i replaced I, it I, in the end because i really really wanted it and mm, shit I it's had not a sim- here it's it's face the second one's fallen off my desk <laughs> it's on the I, floor I, holy shit i got I, a plastic um, jaw <laughs> i had a similar thing with um I had some really nice resin figures when the uh, the My Chemical Romance album Danger Days came out. They had a really expensive special edition that came with like some resin casts of the uh, the the laser guns that they had in one of the music videos. And very similarly, very shortly after I I got I got them, one of them got knocked off of a shelf and just snapped in two. And I glued it back together, but it was never quite the same. <laughs> So that was that was a that was a limited edition rare expensive thing that I was like, oh, I've had this like three days. There we go. I tend to end up getting uh, things that are irreplaceable broken, like not the stuff mm. that's that that's just money that you could rebuy or reget. But like someone once did a wood carving and this was a guy who worked at McFarlane Toys. So this was like really good stuff. Did a wood carving of me. It was like black uh blackened wood with some red painting on it to uh like you know to just just bring out the sort of jimquisition colors it was amazing and then i put it on my my mantelpiece and then one day it just had the fingers missing off the hand and to this day i don't know how or why but <laughs> clearly someone or something knocked it off the mantelpiece and put it back with the fingers smashed <laughs> off it oh, never get that replaced that's worse. what what about what about you, Mr. Burns? You you got any any things you broke? Um, yeah, well, I actually, I know it's not very glamorous, but I did break the screen on my phone uh, recently. So that's probably, in terms of, like, the cost, that's the first time it's happened to me, and that was, like, on the weekend. And that's, uh, I used to have a bit of a habit for, like, breaking stuff. I once accidentally broke the handle off a friend's car door, um, which he tried to blame on me. And although I was the final person to pull the handle, I would say that that's probably a usage issue because, you know, I'm not Lou Ferrigno. I didn't, you know, the (laughs) door didn't come with me. It was just the inside plastic handle thing. Uh, I broke in a PSP. That wasn't by accident. I was very stressed about Pez. But mainly (laughs) I've sent sent a lot of... um, controllers to their doom for for wronging me in various uh senses. oh yeah i got an r2 and it's all pez pez is the only game that, that sends me into that <laughs> any other game i'm like okay I'm, I'm fine 
but uh, yeah, Pez is just wow. The amount of controllers that are just the amount of rages that I've flown into about that game, about the Pez conspiracy where it will score. It, we, you know I, it's I, coming. I feel really bad about this, but every time you talk about how Pez controllers make you angry, I'm just picturing you with like one of those little the things that dispenses the Pez sweets. Ah, uh, this and is you're why just it's angrily called... fidgeting, yeah. fidgeting with the top, <laughs> and you can't get the sweet out, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck you, and you throw it at the wall. That's probably why it's called Winning Eleven elsewhere, because everyone's like, wait, it's a football game about big-headed sweet dispensers. <laughs> like, what's yeah. what's the deal? Oh, so, they're, they're, they're the not football game I ever play. Yeah. Um... Uh, the questions we had this week. Wesley Thomas Hall wants to ask if you could put any entertainer on a fictional radio station in a game, who would it be and what game would you put them in? Hmm. That's. Well, we, we got the thinking questions yeah, today. Yeah, we don't, we don't often get questions like that. It's normally, you know, like, like oh, what could you put up your ass? Uh, we can answer that question instead if you like. <laughs> Wesley Thomas Hall's question can now be what would you put up your ass? Uh, oh god there are so many people whose voices are good and then lots of games with radios uh he's dead now but i would have liked sid waddell who does used to do all the uh like snooker and darts country uh in britain he's very excitable very Mm. very and he used to come out of all these ridiculous phrases and i'd like to see him talk about something that wasn't as unbelievably dull as darts because he somehow made darts (laughs) seem interesting so getting him on the radio while you're firing a fucking golden Uzi out of a window is probably <laughs> the most exciting thing in the world. But, uh, like, who is... You know what? A Donald Trump radio station in a game. <laughs> you know, there was Cadence, this weird kind of kid thinking up an excuse uh, thing where he's like, just yeah. keep talking, and eventually they'll just die <laughs> or get bored <laughs> or, you know, a nuclear holocaust will happen. And, you know, just keep on saying things like bigger and, and great and greatest and superlatives. So I'd like to, even though, obviously, he's not a great guy, I'd like to just drive around in, you know, Mad Max game with a Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, so I've just had a thought, and I don't know this person's name, but I think this was the Ubisoft E3 press conference this year. There was a man who talked about uh, For Honor, I think it was. Oh, the fucking... Who, the, the pirate the beardy man, The pirate, beardy man with the cane yeah. that had the really soothing voice where, like, it's the kind of voice where I want him to be telling me, like... I want him to narrate my D&D games yeah. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. If he's not I, narrating For Honor, then Ubisoft don't know what the fuck they're doing because yeah. he's amazing. So I, I want Ubisoft man with the beard and the cane. I want him to do a radio station where he just... He's telling a story he's making up on the spot. Like, he's... Basically, I want him to narrate a D&D game that isn't actually happening as, like, a an audio drama radio station. That'd be amazing. And we'll stick that in the next GTA. Yeah. I can roll around the streets listening to him talk about orcs smashing mm-hmm. heads in. I want Patrick Stewart as a GTA radio host. Because I know he's, he's game for a laugh. Because he does... Um, you know, he's done, he's done things with Family Guy, American Dad, so he's no stranger to doing, like, bollocks. So <laughs> him in GTA as kind of a, a the straight man radio host it would probably be awesome. Probably <laughs> be really, really good. Yeah, that, that, did that. that's probably... Yeah, we, did, we done did that one. I'm seeing if we got one last question that's any good. Uh, right, we got, we got one from... 
Actually, let's just leave it there. That's probably a good place to finish. <laughs> fuck, fuck you and your other questions, everyone. We're, we're out. We're done. There's someone out there I'm gonna going. to go have some toast. <gasps> no, my question was up next. And, yeah, uh, well, there, no, no one knows. So there's two questions that made it as far as our Skype chat and didn't get answered. So for all you know, your question was that one. No, I'm going to tweet it like, out. I'm going to tweet ah, it out. Change my mind. No, don't, <laughs> don't tell them. No, it'll shatter the illusion. So... <laughs> Yeah, is that a good place for us to wrap up, probably? Yeah, yeah I'm good with wrapping up. Um, yeah, people got their money's worth. Uh, Laura, how can people find out more about you and stuff you do and all of that stuff? Me and the stuff I do and all that stuff. You can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K Buzz. That's Laura K Buzz on Twitter. Laura K Buzz on Patreon, which is what pays the bills. Please give me money over there. Laura K Buzz on YouTube, where I've been making silly videos this week where I wrap my head in tinfoil and try and stop the game publishers from finding news out of my head. And that's uh, Let's Play Video Games as well, where I did a bunch of drawings of video game dicks this week, so you can go see all of those cartoon drawings of dicks. One of them's got David Cage's head on it. That, that was <laughs> beautiful. That, that, it was yeah. a beautiful moment in my life when you showed me that. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it was, uh, what if video game developers made sex toys and it was the, the David Cage is, this is your teaser, go read the article. The David Cage is one where it's fairly bland by itself, but it comes with a piece of erotica that is choose your own adventure and it promises that it's going to be like all these branching choices of what kind of orgasm you're going to have. Ultimately, all the branches lead to the same kind of mediocre orgasm. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, David Cage so. is, a, is, a, is a little mediocre orgasm of a man. So yeah, oh, so go read good. that on Let's Play Video Anyway, I'll stop promoting myself. <laughs> uh, Steve, it's been an absolute delight to have you on. Thank you so much oh, for it's joining. It's been great. Us. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, absolutely, anytime, anytime, and um, you'll have to have a gym on at some point as well. And how can people find your stuff? Let's get you promoted again. Yeah, so uh, my you can find me mouthing off basically at uh, at the Steve Bernio. Got YouTube stuff uh, going on over at uh, at Jim Burns Dave. Uh, that's the Twitter uh, handle at Jim Burns Dave for our YouTube thing. And Jim and Burns and uh, and Dave is the YouTube stuff. So yeah, that's what we're up to. Uh, and there'll be other stuff coming, but as I say, I can't really talk about a lot of the ins and outs right now, but I'm fairly sure that I'll be uh, screaming about it, whether that's in fear or delight very soon <laughs> indeed. I look forward to hearing more. Um, so all that remains to be said, I guess, is thank you all for listening. Uh, thanks to Laura and Steve for joining me. And we will see you all again a week from now, whether you like it or not. Bye. Bye. Later.